Okay, Matthew 23. Matthew 23. I'm going to go through and read the the verses again, sort of help us reset our hearts and mind around the Word of God. Look at verse 8. But be be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Church, read with me verse 12. Here we go. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The topic this morning is humility. Jesus commands us uh, to be humble. In the summer of 1986, there were two ships that collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. And when these two ships collided, hundreds of passengers died, and many were hurled into the icy waters below. Now, news of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. Why had these two ships collided? Had it been a technological malfunction or maybe thick fog? No. The reason for this uh, accident, or rather for this uh, this uh, uh, tragedy and all of these deaths was simple human stubbornness. It was pride. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby and could have steered clear, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield to the other. By the time they came to their senses, it was too late to change course. The famous preacher D.L. Moody worded it this way, Be humble or you'll stumble. Be humble or you'll stumble. I don't know how many marriages have been ruined over pride. I don't know uh, how many uh, children's relationship with their parents have been ruined over pride. I don't know how many church fights have happened over pride. I don't know uh, the total calculation of the damage of pride, but Satan uses pride as his key tool in the heart of man to get us to stumble in our relationships to fall apart. Some of you had a fight with a family member on the way into church this morning. Only by pride cometh contention. Humility is quite evasive. Even when we think we have conquered pride and have arrived at humility, what can easily happen is we become filled with pride at our accomplishment of being humble. You ever been there? Right? Someone asks you, are you humble? How do you even answer that question? Yeah, I'm I'm a humble guy. Right? The old joke is... uh, The guy who wrote the book, Seven Most Humble People on Planet Earth and How I Trained the Other Six. All right? Um, uh, uh, Polly, um, this bull has killed me. This is what Jose uh, Cubero said to his coach. He was one of Spain's most brilliant matadors before he lost consciousness and died. What happened to Jose? He was only 21 years old. He had been enjoying a spectacular career In bullfighting, however, in this 1958 bullfight, Jose made a tragic mistake. He thrust his sword a final time into a bleeding, delirious bull, which then collapsed. Considering the struggle finished, Jose turned to the crowd to acknowledge the the raucous applause. The bull, however, was not dead. It rose and lunged at the unsuspecting matador, its horn piercing his back and puncturing his heart. Just when we think we've finished off pride, when we turn to accept the the congratulation of the crowd, pride stabs us in the back. We should never consider pride dead before we are dead. Many people have a misperception about pride and humility. How do you define pride? Well, simply put, pride is a hyper-focus on self, while humility is defined as a constant focus on God and others. I'd write that down if you want something to remember from the message. 
later, pride is a hyper-focus on self. Pride is a hyper-focus on self. Humility is a constant focus on God and others. Yesterday morning, um, I've been working on this sermon all week. And uh, most of what I'm sharing with you today had already been penned down uh, prior to yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I had a big battle with pride. Big battle with pride. Um, I, uh, I didn't sleep well. For, I'm not complaining. I'm just sharing with you, just trying to be transparent here. I didn't sleep well Friday night into Saturday and uh, slept short, didn't sleep much. And You know, when the, the flesh doesn't sleep, it gets angry. How many know that? Right? You're a little more edgy when you don't sleep. All right? And so um, I, I had a, I had a, I, I don't know if I had a headache. I just didn't feel well uh, Saturday morning. And so um, about 9.30 or so, a little before 9.30, I was getting ready to leave the, the uh, Great Commission Saturday meeting in here. And I just said to the Lord, I said, my spirit's not right. My flesh is, is screaming because it's unhappy. And you know, when the flesh screams, it comes out in the form of anger. Doesn't it? And uh, I spent the next two or three hours just saying to the Lord, Spirit of God, will you please get control of my spirit and uh, help me to be humble. Help me to be focused on you and others. I went out with... Um, uh, one of the men in the church, and we made a visit. And he had to get back quick because he had another uh, separate visit. And so I got back, and uh, I knew that most of our folks were still out soul winning. And I thought to myself, this pride still needs to be beat down. This flesh needs to be beat down. So I grabbed another man in the church who was available, and we went out and did some door hangers. Why? I was trying to focus on others. Focus on others. Um, pride is something I battle with, and pride is something you battle with. To be human is to deal with pride. There are those, and pride, by the way, takes many shapes and many forms. There are those whose pride will lead to self-exaltation. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look how great I am, look at all I've done. Me, 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 I, 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 wow, I'm great, I'm awesome. I um, am just inside the line of being considered a millennial, alright? I'm one of those people that... Uh, Gen Xers and older love to make fun of, all right? We get made fun of a lot. And um, one thing that's true about most millennials, and I know I'm painting with a broad brush, and anytime I make a statement like this, disclaimer, there's exceptions to the rule. I get all that, all right? But as a millennial, let me tell you something about millennials. We think we are awesome. Man, we're the greatest thing walking planet Earth. And uh, if, if, you're, if, you, if, 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 if you're uncertain about that, ask us and we'll tell you, all right? We got participation trophies growing up. And so we just think we're awesome, all right? Our mom and dad told us we were the most handsome or beautiful. They told us that we were great and wonderful. I remember once I was sitting around the table with my brothers and sisters. A couple of years ago, we were all together. That doesn't happen very often, but because we're all over the world now. But um, we happen to all be together for a, a Thanksgiving holiday, I believe it was. And my mom was just ripping on millennials, talking about how terrible and lazy they are. And I'm just kind of smiling because I'm watching my brothers and sisters, and they're getting a little worked up. And my youngest brother, Jonathan, um, he's uh, very contrived. He's, he's very uh, quiet. He doesn't say much, but when he does, it's, it's impactful. And so after my mom had gone on for a little bit, uh, Jonathan speaks up and says, ask you a question, Mom, which generation raised the millennials? That was the end of the conversation. That was it. She didn't have anything else to say. But we're awesome. And uh, if, if you're not certain of it, ask us, we'll tell you. Pride, uh, most commonly... Is, 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 is manifested in self-exaltation. But did you know there's another form of pride, and that's a constant self-deprecation. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm no good. I can't. I'm not worthy. Right? It's this Eeyore mentality about yourself. Um, 
as we go through the message this morning, you'll see that that also is pride. You're, you're hyper-focused on what you can't do, while others are hyper-focused on what they can do. But the problem is, it's I, 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 I. And if it's I can or I can't, the problem is the pronoun I. You, you think that uh, it's about you, and it's not about you, it's about the Lord. We're simply uh, instruments that He works through. And you know what? If God can use Balaam's donkey, God can use you. Amen? And take the emphasis off herself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Rather, it is not thinking of yourself at all. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is not thinking of yourself at all. Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching His disciples and the crowd that had gathered the importance of humility. So, He uses the religious leaders of their day as an example of pride, and then He points to a lowly servant for an example of humility. I I propose that pride is something that will not die within us until we are dead and in the grave. It's a constant day-by-day battle. The command of Christ is to be humble. This is a day-by-day choice, but more specifically, it's a moment-by-moment choice. How do we do this? By putting our eyes on Jesus and letting Him lead us on the path of humble servanthood. So, we're going to look at three thoughts this morning out of Matthew 23, and we'll also be in Mark 10 quite a bit. We're going to consider uh, the commands of Christ about our character to be humble. Number one, point number one, notice the ambitions of the proud. The ambitions of the proud. To our guest here today, on the back of your bulletin is a fill-in-the-blank outline. Let me encourage you to use the pen you got with your gift and fill in those blanks as you go. The ambitions of the proud. Let me give you three here. There's more than three, but let me give you three I see out of Matthew 23. Notice letter A, the proud, they're consumed with power. They're consumed with power. Look at Matthew 23 and look at verse number 2. Look at verse 2, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit where? In Moses' seat. They sit in Moses' seat. One sign of someone who is filled with pride is that they are consumed with being the one who is in charge. Uh, oftentimes they lead less by influence and will lead more from their title. I'm in charge. I sit here. I, I have this title. I have this position. You do what I say. I have the power. And you must conform. You must get in line. You must do it my way. What was Moses? It was the utmost position of prestige and power within the Jewish council. It was a position of great authority and great power. Jesus said that these men were so consumed with power because of the attention they got from the crowds. Look down at verse 7. Matthew 23, look at verse 7. And greetings in the market, and to be called of men, Rabbi. Rabbi. Notice they love the power of being the rabbi. They love the, the, the seat. They love the authority that they gain. Those who are filled with pride do not care about the little people and their needs. They only care about themselves. And Christ taught that the way to become the leader was not to grab at power, but rather grab at servanthood. This was the opposite of the mentality during Jesus' day. Look at Mark 10 and look at verse 42. Mark 10:42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted, look here, to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. Now, what you'll find as you study the Bible is that God's kingdom is a paradoxical kingdom. That's a big word, but it just simply means it's an upside-down kingdom, right? God says if you want to go up, the way up is to go down, right? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. We fight and claw and push and scratch and, and punch to get our way up to the top, And God says, no, 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 don't elevate yourself. Instead, you must humble yourself. And as you humble yourself in God's kingdom, He will elevate you. What are the ambitions of the proud? They are 
consumed with power. Notice letter B, they're concerned with presentation. They're concerned with presentation. Look at Matthew 23 again, and look at verse number 5. Matthew 23 and verse 5, but all their works do they, look here, for to be seen of men, presentation, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Right? It's how flowy can I make my, my priestly robe, these, uh, these, these livid, or rather these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. How, how, how broad can I make my phylacteries? And this would be their, uh, their, their um, uh, things they'd wear on them that were religious in nature. Uh, how can I be seen of men? Did you hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this line? Listen, he said, let me show you something several of your neighbors said you cannot afford. Alright? Oh, I think I can't afford that? Watch me buy it right now. We're concerned with keeping up with the Joneses if we're not careful. We're concerned with looking like we have what others have and, and fitting in and... Uh, you know, the neighbor cuts his lawn one way. Well, we've got to up that. And the labor, uh, the neighbor up, up, upscales their landscape, and we have to upscale ours. And the neighbor gets an electric vehicle, and we've got to get a luxury electric vehicle. And uh, someone at work, uh, they get a new phone. Well, you've got to get one even better. It's the one-upsmanship. Why? Because we want other people to think that we're something that we're not. Now, uh, people filled with pride are over-concerned about how they are viewed by others. They, they work hard at presenting an outward shell that is honestly a false representation of who they really are. Look at Matthew 23, 26. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees uh, extremely hard in Matthew 23. Look what he said in 26, these scathing words to these hypocrites. He says, Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are likened like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness, even so ye also uh, outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, I want to be clear here. All of us should present the best version of ourselves. All right? I don't think you need to come in here to church on Sunday morning looking the way you did when you rolled out of bed. All right? I want you to brush your hair and brush your teeth. Right? It's okay to wear... Please put on deodorant at the least. All right? Uh, it's okay to wear some cologne or perfume. It, it's all right, uh, ladies, to put on some makeup. Uh, it's okay to find a nice uh, outfit and put that on. And come into church, you ought to present the best version of yourself. I, you know, uh, you ever ask someone how they're doing and then wish you hadn't afterwards? <laughs> right? Well, I'm not asking that question again. <laughs> Um, uh, listen, it's okay to uh, give someone a, a carefully worded answer. Uh, one such answer, someone asks you how you're doing, you want to be uh, extremely honest but, uh, but optimistic or uplifting, you can say, better than I deserve. Because we all deserve to die and go to hell, right? Uh, that's what the Bible teaches. And um, so if you say better than I deserve, you could be doing horrible, but you're still doing better than you deserve. Uh, you don't have to look at someone and say, I'm doing great, when you're not doing great, okay? Uh, you can be, you can be a, a positive, but honest, and there are other ways to go about doing that. And usually when someone asks you how they're doing, do you know they really don't care how you're doing? Are we all aware of that, right? You ever ask someone uh, how they're doing, and then they don't ask you back, but you tell them anyway, right? How you doing? Great. Oh, I'm doing well too. I didn't ask. <laughs> so... Um, uh, but listen, uh, uh, listen. I'm I'm fine with putting your best foot forward, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here in uh, 26 down through 28. What Jesus is talking about are people who pretend to be holy and righteous outward, while inwardly they're filled with evil and 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 and, uh, and, and in, inside in private they're sinful, while publicly outwardly they're presenting this righteous, holy attitude. Jesus rather talks 
taught a different model. In Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God said, don't worry about cleaning up the outside first. Rather, clean the inside first, and the outside will take care of itself. Uh, what we must understand is that it is not our duty to gain the approval of fallen sinful man, but rather the favor of a perfect God. We do this by focusing our attention on Him. Peter gave this admonishment to the women of the church. Listen to 1 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4. He says to the women, he says, "...who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the morning, uh, ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price." Now, while women ought to be more focused on being right inwardly than outwardly, can I tell you, men, that is not just a principle for women. That's a principle for all of us. If you spend more time making the outside look good than you do the inside, my friend, that is a sign that you have a real spiritual pride problem. What did the Pharisees do? They were concerned about broad garments and, and, and big phylacteries and being seen of men. You remember in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus said, when you fast, don't do it like the Pharisees who walk around with a sad countenance and, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm fasting. I haven't eaten in four days. And, oh, I'm so spiritual. Uh, God said, no, no, no. Wash your face and present yourself in a way where no one would even know that you're doing that. Be very, very careful about that. Don't be concerned with outward presentation. Now, here's the here's my honest opinion, all right? I look at myself in the mirror, this is my honest opinion of myself, and I don't see the best-looking guy walking planet Earth, and I don't see the ugliest guy walking planet Earth. I feel like I'm a very average person in a whole lot of ways, and um, uh, I, I, God can use below average, He can use average, He can use above average. It's not about me, it's about the Lord working through me. Here's my Here's my aim in how I present myself. I want my, my presentation of myself to not be a hindrance in giving the gospel to the world around me. I don't want people to look at me and go, I'm not listening to you talk about Jesus. You haven't brushed your teeth in two weeks. But I'm also not trying to impress anyone with the way I dress. Because the eyes are not to be on me. Remember last week, Matthew 5.16, Let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The spotlight ought not be on me or you. The spotlight ought to be on the Lord. What are the ambitions of the proud? Well, they're consumed with power. They're concerned with presentation. Letter C, notice, they're constantly place-seeking. They're constantly place-seeking. Go back to Matthew 23 with me and look at verse number 6. Matthew 23, 6. And love the uppermost rooms at feast, and the chief seats in the synagogue. Again, pride causes us to elevate ourselves to a status or a place beyond what is realistic. Um, A sign of pride is that you lack self-awareness. You lack self-awareness. Most people think they are more righteous than they really are. You say, that's not true. Go ask ten people why they think they're going to heaven in this area. Eight of them will most likely tell you because I'm a good person. Most people think they are more righteous than they actually are. Most people think they are more capable than they actually are. Most people think they are more talented than they actually are. Look at Luke 14 with me. I want you to read this uh, parable of the Lord with me this morning. Look at Luke 14. And verse 7, uh, Jesus gives some admonishment on not being a place seeker, not looking to sit in the most important seat possible. Luke 14, look at verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse 14. Luke 14, 7. I'll begin reading. Catch up with me when you arrive at the verse. And he put forth a parable to those that were bidden when he marked who uh, they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, or in the VIP section, lest a more honorable man than thee be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place. 
and thou uh, begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. and He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. What's he saying here? He's saying quit being worried with place seeking. He's saying quit trying to get the most VIP position you can when you go to something like a wedding. Here in this time, uh, they would have, uh, say, like a, a series of floors, right? And uh, the, those who sat on the lowest floor uh, were the uh, furthest in importance from the, the groom. And those who sat in the most utmost floor, they were the ones who were closest to the groom. And he says here, don't go sit in the utmost room and be demoted. Sit in the lowest room and then let him come along and promote you. Uh, don't be concerned with place seeking. Um, Alex Haley, the author of Roots, the book Roots, has a picture in his office showing a turtle sitting atop of a fence post. The picture is there to remind him a lesson he says he learned long ago. Here's the principle. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help getting there. Alex says, anytime I start thinking, wow, isn't this marvelous what I've done, where I sit, what I have achieved, who I am. He says, I look at that picture and remember how this turtle, me, got up on the post. The ambitions of the proud. Number two, we see the attributes of the humble. The attributes of the humble. Letter A, we see their mindset. Their mindset. Look at Matthew 23 and look at verse 8. Oh, this is so good. This is so rich. Look at verse 8. But be not ye called rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ. Read the rest of the verse with me. Ready? And all ye are brethren. One more time. Read that with me. And all ye are brethren. All ye are brethren. Notice the emphasis is taken off some kind of hierarchy and put squarely on a role of co-laboring as equals, co-laboring as equals for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles over to Mark 10. Hold your place in Matthew 23. What is the mindset of someone who is humble? It's the mindset of a servant. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I inconvenience myself to make your life better? Your time, my time is your time. My energy is at your disposal. My resources are here to help make you a better person, a long life's journey. We are brethren. We're in this together. It's not about me sitting up on some lofty perch and looking down at you as some little person. No, that's an attitude of pride and attitude of humility is that I'm not better than you. I'm here to serve you. Look at Mark 10 and look at verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, ye answer that they are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, uh, exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. By the way, before we read 43, we know this model, don't we? That you have people who sit in a perch of high position and they rule down over all the little people that are under them. That is not just an attitude of Jesus' day. It's also the uh, uh, predominant uh, attitude uh, in our day. Look at 43. But so shall it not be among you, Christian. So shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Too often we push 
and shove to get to the top of life's ladders. We want to be better than and push ahead of other people. God says that we are all equal in His sight. We're all equal in His sight. Consider Romans 2 verse 11. For, the Bible says, For there is no respecter of persons with God. Did you know that whether this is your first time at White Oak Baptist Church, or you're the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church, let's take the volume down just to hear if we can, guys, that you and I are equal in the sight of God. I'm not more important than you. You're not more important than me. Whether you've been here once, or we have folks who have been here since the start of the church. You know what? We are all equal in the sight of God. God says, I look down at the king of England. I was about to say queen, but it's not a queen anymore, alright? It's the king. I look down at the king of England. I look at the president of the United States. I look at the members of Congress. Uh, I look at uh, those who are uh, hold uh, positions of power at work, the CEOs. I look at pastors. I look at uh, leaders of, of, of institutions of higher learning. He said, then I look at people who have Down syndrome and people who are autistic and people who are blind and people who can't walk and people who can't uh, hear. And you know what? They're all equal to me. I'm no respecter of persons. You say, but Pastor Lejeune, that's just not how we operate. Oh, believe me, I know. James chapter 2 verse 9 says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Anytime that um, I go to a pastor's conference or I'm around other people in ministry, I don't like to tell people that I'm a pastor. You say, why? I don't want people treating me better because I have the title of pastor. And you know what? Even preachers do this. We look at a man who holds the title of pastor and we treat him greater than a man who does not hold that title. I was at the hospital with Angela last week. She was... Going through some medical things, and praise God, she's here today. She's doing well. It's at the hospital with her, and um, uh, we had been in the ER from three in the afternoon up until eleven at night. They were going to keep her overnight, and and so I'm doing everything I can to stay as long as I can by her side. And now, since COVID, a lot of the policies have changed, and um, they don't even let a husband or wife stay in the hospital overnight uh, in the and uh, in, in the regular part of the hospital. And so I am just begging and pleading and conjoling and pressing and pushing as politely as I can, but as firm as I can, to get them to let me stay. She had one more procedure to go through when she got upstairs, and and she needed me by her side. She wanted me by her side for that procedure. And so um, I uh, got went with the transport up the elevator, and they, they allowed me to get up there and get her settled in and make my case to the floor nurse. And I told the guy doing transport, I said, in my car, I have a Bridgeport Hospital badge. And I do. I have an employee badge uh, as a religious visitor. I said, um, I'm a pastor in the area. If I go get that badge, you think they'll let me stay? And he smiled at me, big guy. He smiled at me and said, do you always tell people you're a pastor? And I looked at him and I said, only when it's going to help me uh, help my wife. <laughs> he said, my pastor, big guy, he said, um, my pastor has been pastoring for 30 years and he'd rather just not tell people he's a pastor because people treat him different when they know he's a pastor. How about you? You see, humility isn't concerned with someone's title. They just treat everyone with love and grace the reality is that you ought to be willing to pick up after someone who leaves a mess in the auditorium or go wash the car of the most prestigious member of White Oak Baptist Church if so called upon to do so. 
Because that's the mindset of a servant. Well, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about what your title is. I'm not worried about who you are. No, no. We're not putting men on pedestals. We're putting the Lord on a pedestal. We're putting others equally out there to serve. There's a famous missionary to China named Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, this was well over a century ago. He, again, pioneer missions in China, just hall of fame, if you will, of missionaries, just a, a game changer of a man. He was scheduled to speak at a large Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia. The moderator of the service introduced the missionary in eloquent and glowing terms. He told the large congregation all that Taylor had accomplished in China and then presented to him this way. He said, he is our illustrious guest. The crowd roared and uh, uh, Mr. Taylor approached the pulpit. Once the applause came to a, a silence, he stood there until it was awkwardly silent and with his head stooped down, he said this to the, he said this to the crowd. He said, dear friends... I am the little servant of an illustrious master. I am the little servant of an illustrious master. Their mindset. Better be their mission. Their mission. Look with me back at Matthew 23. Look at verse number 11. But he that is great among you shall what? Shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Back over in Mark 10, verse 44, Jesus worded it this way, And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Shall be servant of all. What does it mean to be a servant? What does it mean to be a servant? It means that you are looking to fulfill the needs of the others around you. You're constantly looking for someone else's need to be filled. The two greatest commandments in the Bible are to love God with all your being and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is, listen up, I'm being deliberate here for a reason. I want to draw you in because this is the main thing I want you to take from the message this morning. To be humble means to live a life of servanthood. Well, I'd be a servant, but, but I'm not capable. You've missed the point. We're all capable of serving others. We're all capable of focusing on others. We're all capable of seeing a need and filling that need. This is your mission, Christian. This is your mission in life. And when you do it, I'm going to tell you what you find. You find great joy and great fulfillment. You have a reason to live. When you sit on a perch and expect others to serve you, you're going to be miserable, miserable, miserable. But when you roll up your sleeves and you get down in the ditch and you work hard and you serve other people around you, yes, you're going to be tired. Yes, you'll grow weary. But the Lord will give you His rest. This is your mission, humble Christian. Letter C, we see their master. Their master. Take your Bibles to Mark 10 and verse 45. And then we're going to turn to a familiar passage in Philippians 2. Mark 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. Is there anyone here this morning that thinks they're greater than Jesus? If so, would you please stand? I'm going to sit. If Jesus came to minister, do you think somehow you're greater than Jesus? If our Master can be a servant, 
Now, this is one of these sermons where we go forth and we're not just hearers of the Word, we're doers of the Word. Amen. Some of you go to work and expect everyone else to pick up the slack for you. Don't tell anyone you're a Christian if that's how you're going to behave. Well, I'm going to really hit us now. Some of you go home and just sit around while you expect everyone else to do your cleaning and you're taken care of. You say, well, Pastor, I work hard and we have this arrangement that I provide and the other one, you know, they take care of the home. That's great and I'm fine with that. But there's nothing wrong with you occasionally pitching in and helping. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. Some of you ladies are going to be handing your husband a dish towel when you get home this afternoon. Get to work. Men, but seriously, you see that your wife's had a tough day? There's nothing wrong with hopping up and doing some dishes. Preaching where you're living. There's nothing wrong with rubbing her head and helping her fall asleep. Ladies, you see your husband's had a tough day at work. Don't write him about that to-do list that he hadn't gotten to when he walks right through the door. And I know I'm hitting some stereotypes here. You'll just have to forgive me. Excuse me, I'm still stuck in the 1950s. You just have to forgive me. All right? By the way, I think the 1950s were a lot better than the 2020s. Look at Philippians 2. Why did Jesus leave heaven and come to earth? Was it so that He could come sit on a throne and have people just worship Him? Not the first time He came. First time Jesus came, He came to be a servant. He came to wash feet. He came to heal the sick. He came to heal the lame and the halt and the blind. He came to wipe tears and heal brokenness. Jesus came and gave us the ultimate example of what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor. Look at verse 5 of Philippians 2. Let this mind, talking about our mindset and our mission, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. There's our Master, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Look at 7. This is the Creator of the universe, made Himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Look here. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The ultimate example of humble servanthood was the cross of Calvary. Jesus humbled Himself in order to be humiliated before His own creation. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? Was it the first time He could be put up on a pedestal and worship? No. He came to serve the rejects. He came to love on the broken. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to die for the sins of mankind. He hung on a cross and up there He became a humble servant so you and I could know salvation. And if Jesus can be a humble servant, what excuse do you and I have? Number three, lastly, we see the attention on the Savior. Hold your place in Philippians 2. Go back to Matthew 23. Matthew 23 and look at verse 9. Call no man your father upon the earth. I have to say this here. What's the Catholic Church doing? Matthew 23 9 is in the Bible, is it not? Call no man your father upon the earth, but one is your father which is in heaven. Look at verse 10. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, let me be clear about what this is and is not saying. Alright? Authority structure is important. If there is not authority structure, you have chaos. 
You all understand that? Alright, if we're going to take this to its fullest literal sense, then, Dad, you have no right to tell your kids what to do. That's not what this is talking about. What it's talking about is rather uh, that we have a spirit of humility within that authority structure. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not about people worshiping you or platforming you. It's God who is worthy of our total adoration and worship. God is the one that's worthy of it. By the way, I'm going to help you understand what a cult is. Someone says, ah, you go down to that Baptist church, that's a cult. Alright, and you've probably, everyone here has probably heard something like that at some point. Here's how you know that a church is a cult. Alright, there's a couple of ways to define it. I'm, I'm not going to give you the classical definition. I'm going to give you the Lejeune definition. Alright, here's, here's how I would define a cult. Any, any uh, group of people that are built upon a man's personality. Okay? I've been in Baptist churches that were cultish. I went to college, <laughs> connected to a ministry that was cultish. The pastor would walk by and people would reach out and try to touch him on the way by like he was some kind of rock star. <laughs> Guys would shake his hand and be like, I'm not washing this hand for two weeks. That's a cult. Alright? Now, I said that to say this. You should not come to White Oak Baptist Church for Pastor Lejeune. You should come to White Oak Baptist Church because of the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that's worthy of our adoration and our worship. Now, has God given us uh, the, 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 the position of pastor or bishop or elder? Has He given us the position of deacons? Yes, they are to lead. And we're to follow leadership, but we're only to follow leadership as they are following Christ. Because at the end of the day, it's not about Pastor Lejeune or any of the deacons here. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. He deserves our attention. Look back at Philippians 2. Look at verse number 9. Be careful about heaping praise upon a man. You pour out your praise on the God of heaven who created you and saved you. Philippians 2, look at verse 9. Wherefore God, speaking of Jesus, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Someone wisely put it this way. They said, they that know God will be humble. And they that know themselves cannot be proud. They that know God will be humble. And they that know themselves cannot be proud. I was getting on myself pretty hard yesterday. I was saying, flesh, excuse the bottom vernacular, flesh, shut up. Spirit of God, would you please take over? I had a pride battle going on something fierce yesterday. And the reality is I have it going on just about every day. Just some days I'm not aware of it. Let me tell you why it's important that you confess your sin every day. You listening right now? I'm almost done. Give me your attention. Just another minute or two. Let me tell you why it's important you confess your sin every day. Because when you get brutally honest over the wrong you've done over the last 18 hours, there ain't nothing to be proud about. It's pretty hard to feel full of yourself when you've been brutally honest about how sinful you are. You say, oh, I'm not that bad. You had not been confessing your sin lately. You get down on those knees and you start going through all of the things you've looked at with your eyes that you shouldn't be looking at, all the things you've been listening to your, with your ears that you shouldn't have been listening to, all of the pride that's welled up in your heart and the emotions that welled up in your heart that don't please God. And then you start going through your thought life, the visual thoughts and the verbal thoughts that you've had in your mind, the, the word thoughts and the theater of your mind and all of the evil that's played through your mind that no one but you knows about. And then you start thinking about the words that have come out, the, the jokes that are inappropriate and the slander and the gossip and the complaining, all the complaining gets all of us from time to time. And then we start looking at where we go and what we do with our body and all of a sudden we step back and go, I have nothing to be proud about. 
Then you spend time in the presence of God and you begin to praise Him for being a holy, perfect God. And you step back and go, God, You are everything and I am nothing. You cannot help but be humble when your attention's on God. There is no room for pride when you look at yourself. I finished with this illustration. Corey Tim Boom tell, tells of the story of a famous European singer. People asked this man, Doesn't it do you harm? You're getting so much honor for your talent. The singer's answer was this. Listen closely. This is powerful. Listen to what this man said. He said, No. The donkey went into Jerusalem and they put garments on the ground before him. Yet he was not proud. He knew it was not done to honor him but for Jesus who is sitting on his back. He said this, When people honor me, I know it is not me, but the Lord who is working through me. I think calling yourself a donkey is a pretty good way of going about it. It keeps you humble. Oh, Pastor Lejeune, that was a great sermon. Oh, brother such and such, that was a great life group lesson. Oh, sister such and such, boy, you really can teach. Oh, you're such a faithful servant in that nursery or in that, on that bus route. Oh, no, we're just donkeys. And Jesus is the one who deserves the adoration and the praise. Jesus deserves our attention. He deserves our praise. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you take a minute right where you are? Will you honestly analyze your heart? Be honest with yourself. Just take a moment, just you. Forget about everyone else around you. Are you a man or woman who's easily offended? That's a sign of pride, not humility. Are you a person who is constantly talking yourself up or talking yourself down? My friend, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about others. That's a marker. You have a pride problem. Our mindset, our mission, our master. The command of Christ is to embrace servanthood and be humble. Spirit of God, I pray this morning that you would convict all of us. Shine your flashlight on the pride that lives in our heart. May we not wear pride around our neck like a chain as the wicked do. Lord, may we be clothed with grace and humility. Oh Lord, may our heart be that of a, 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 a meek and quiet spirit. Lord God, guide this invitation. Help us to confess our fault to leave with an action plan, to be clothed with humility. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.